Well, welcome to Epic, everybody. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving celebration, and I hope that you are ready for the Christmas season. I know I'm excited about our Christmas season coming up, and um, as Tim told you about those invitation cards that you have for our Christmas series, I, I hope that you'll take a handful of those with you, hand them out at work or at home or at school, and, and just invite people to come and celebrate with us uh, our, uh, our Savior who was born to us. Uh, it'll be an amazing Christmas series that we have planned for you guys. So if you are new with us this morning, my name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic. And today we are going to be ending a series that we've been in over the past six weeks together as we've explored a pretty famous Old Testament Bible character. So we've been looking at the life of a man named David. So if you're not real familiar with David, David uh, uh, was the, the little shepherd boy. Not sure if you've heard of David and Goliath. Well, that's the David we're talking about. David went from being this little shepherd boy, and God selected him as the second king over Israel. There was something really special about David. God had rejected the king that was already the, the first king of Israel because that king had rejected God. And so God said, I'm going to go find a man who has a heart like mine. And so he went and he found David. And it's just amazing that God called David what he did. When God said, David has a heart like mine, he never said that about anybody else. And when he came to David, he said, you know, his heart beats in sync with mine. He cares about the things that I care about. He'll do the things that I want him to do. And if you've been with us throughout this series, hopefully you've seen that. Hopefully we've, we've been able to, to show you that David was just faithful to God. That even that intro video helped capture uh, David on his deathbed. Even on his deathbed, David was using his words to encourage the next generation to follow God. And so that video captured David talking to his son, Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man who ever lived. And so David told Solomon, follow God. You, you stay faithful to God, and God will stay faithful to you. So David really was an amazing man, and there was much that we can learn from him. There was much that we didn't even explore about him in this series so far. But just because David was a man after God's own heart, that didn't mean that David was perfect. And if you were here with us last week, you saw that in a, a very big way. So in a moment when David wasn't where he should have been, David gave in to temptation. He gave in to the temptation of lust and it ended up uh, committing the sin of adultery, taking another man's wife. And then to cover up that sin, he had that man murdered. So he hopefully wouldn't have to face the consequences of, those, of that sin. So obviously... David wasn't a perfect man. But after he was confronted, David confessed his sin. He confessed it openly. He didn't blame Bathsheba. He didn't try to, to hide from it anymore. He just openly confessed that sin to God, and he begged God for forgiveness. And the amazing thing is, God forgave him. God forgave David for the sins of adultery and murder and I don't know what sins you may wrestle with in your life. I don't know what temptations you may have given into in your life. But if God can forgive David for those sins, God can forgive us for our sins. God can forgive anything that we have done that has hurt our relationship with God, has hurt our relationship with other people. We just have to come to him and we have to ask for forgiveness. 
verse that we looked at last week, 1 John 1, 9, says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So we can be forgiven, but we have to come to God and we have to say, you know what? I acknowledge that what I did was wrong. I take full responsibility for it. I'm not gonna blame other people. I take full responsibility and God, I ask for your forgiveness. When we do that, God says, I'll forgive you. Our God loves to forgive people who acknowledge the wrong that they've done. And we bring that to God and say, God, I'm not perfect. And if you've ever felt like you have to be perfect to serve God or to be loved by God, that's just not true. You know, there was only one perfect man that ever walked this planet and we killed him for that. God loves to use imperfect people like us, like David, to accomplish his perfect plan in life. So if you've ever felt like you have to be perfect, that's just not true. God did some amazing things through David and God can do some amazing things through you. Now, today we're gonna talk about something that we're not all that excited to talk about. After David received God's incredible forgiveness, there were some very real consequences that David had to face. After David's sin, his kids rebelled against him. His wives were given to another man. And the child that he and Bathsheba had, that was the woman that he committed adultery with, she got pregnant and that child ended up dying. So here's our first application for today. Sometimes we think when we confess our sin, everything should go back to life as normal. You know, we, we think, I've confessed my sin. I'm pretty sure I'll never do that again. I think I've learned my lesson. Can't everything to just, just go back to the way it was? And there are moments, many moments, that we don't want to face the consequences of our sin. We don't want to pay all the restitution that may come with the sin that we have committed. We don't want to fix all the stuff that we have broken. Sometimes we think our confession should just be enough. But part of growing a heart like David's, part of growing a heart that, that stands out to God means that we will not only confess our sin, but, the, we, but that we will take full responsibility for our sin and we will pay whatever restitution is required. We will face any consequences that come with our sin. Not that we're excited to do that, but we know, hey, that's a part of it. That's a part of, of building a heart that stands out to God is that when we mess up, we get up and we fix that. We fix whatever we've broken. Now, here's something that I uh, recently heard a pastor that I highly respect say about this subject. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said, every act of sin is forgivable. So that sin that you committed 20 years ago that you think you can't be forgiven for, you can be forgiven for that. That thing you think no one knows about is forgivable. That thing you think everyone knows about is forgivable. That thing that you think no one could ever possibly forgive you for, you can be forgiven for that. Again, hopefully we've realized that as we've watched God forgive David for his sins. So every act of sin is forgivable. But Pastor Swindoll continued and he said, but not every consequence of sin is erasable. So there are real consequences that come with the sins that we commit. 
There are real prices to be paid. There are real relationships that get broken. There are real things that have to be fixed. And sometimes life just can't go back to the way that it was. So in David's example, after he committed murder to cover up his sin, there was no way to bring Uriah, the guy that he killed, to bring him back to life again. There was no way to undo what David had done. The damage had already been done. And for some of us, the damage has already been done. There's a relationship that's been broken that might stay broken for a long time or for a lifetime. You know, you spend a a lifetime abusing our bodies in a certain way, and there may be some real consequences that, that come with that that we have to pay. So there may be some consequences for our sin that we face for the rest of our lives. And that's one of the things that we don't fully recognize before we sin. And we all know that there are consequences to sin. We all know that there are costs to pay. But often before we sin, we minimize those consequences or we think, if anybody can get away with this, it's me. If anybody can, can get around you know, the, the system or find a loophole or figure out a way not to pay the consequences, I'm pretty sure I can do it. And we're all risk takers. And so we, we gamble in that moment and we take the risk hoping that we won't have to pay those consequences. But in David's life, even though he received God's forgiveness, he still had to face some very real consequences. So the child that he and Bathsheba had together died. The sin that he thought no one knew about was found out by his entire kingdom. His entire kingdom knew the stuff that he did. And shortly after this, his family unraveled. So one of his sons raped one of his daughters. And then another son decided to take revenge and he killed the, the first son that raped the daughter. And then that son decided he was going to try to take the kingdom away from David. And so he uh, rallied his own followers and decided to take David on, push David out of the kingdom. A battle ensued and that son died in the battle. So talk about some, some serious consequences Talk about David's life unraveling at that moment. And it's interesting to me, when you look at his kids' uh, sins, so we've got rape, we've got murder, we've got him trying, you know, a son trying to take the kingdom. Uh, those sins are very similar to, to David's sin. And one of the things that my father-in-law has told me for years is that what parents do in moderation, kids will do in excess. It's something, if you're a parent, I think we should uh, remember. You know, maybe we should uh, tattoo it on our kids' foreheads, you know, so we can be reminded of it on a regular basis. You know, what, what I do, what we do in moderation, our kids will do in excess. And so that's what David's kids did. They went to an ex excessive sin level, uh, following the example of their father. So, so David's whole world unraveled. One of the most difficult experiences in life is when we realize that our sins not only affect us, our sins affect those around us. They negatively affect those that we love. And now that I've got us all feeling pretty hopeless, you know, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Merry Christmas. So what do we do in these moments? 
you know, what do we do when you find yourself in a moment like this? We have options. We've got things that we can do. We can keep running from our sin and say, well, I'm just not going to take responsibility for that. I'll keep blaming it on somebody else. We can get to a spot where we say, you know what? I can't do the work of rebuilding. There's too much work. I see this mountain ahead of me. I can't climb that much. I can't fix that much. It isn't possible. So I'm just going to give up. It's just hopeless. So is life hopeless at that point? Is life hopeless at that moment? No, life is not hopeless. With God, our God can do anything. God can fix anything that we have damaged. So I would like to add to the statement that Pastor Swindoll made. So here's um, my addition to his great statement. Just because our sin isn't erasable, that doesn't mean it isn't repairable. So again, just because our sin isn't erasable, it doesn't mean it isn't repairable. Again, our God can fix anything that we have broken. Now, part of what has to happen is that we've got to do our part. We've got to weigh in. We, we, we can't just leave it all to God and say, God, I've made a horrible mess. Please fix it all. Please fix that relationship I've damaged. Please get me that job back that I lost, you know, Please do all these these supernatural things after I've created all this havoc in life. God says, no, I'll help you, but I need you to be a part of this process. And so we have to acknowledge our sin. We have to ask for forgiveness, and then we have to start rebuilding. We have to start rebuilding with God and the people that we've hurt. And if you think about it, if you are a Christ follower, if you claim to have Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, that's the only viable option that you have. You don't have any other options. You can't say, well, I guess I messed it up too bad. It's not fixable. You don't have that option if you're a Christ follower. If you really want to become more like Jesus, if we really want to become more like Jesus, when we mess up, we have to fix that stuff. When we break things, we have to fix those things. When we've hurt someone, we have to repair the damage that we have done. Now, the interesting thing about David's life is that he did that in his relationship with God. So obviously, he'd hurt his relationship with God when he committed adultery and committed murder. Uh, he recognized that, and he said, I've got to fix this. And so he, he went through the process of fixing his relationship with God. But David didn't fix the damage he'd created with his family. See, one of the things that led to his family unraveling was this It's kind of subtle sin that we don't always see at first, but David was a very passive father, very passive parent. So he literally let his kids get away with rape and murder, and he didn't do anything about it. He didn't confront his kids. He just looked the other way, and he let them get away with those heinous sins. And, you know, I read that in David's life, and you know, it makes me sad. It makes me kind of frustrated with him because at that point in the journey, after all that I've seen so far of David, I'm thinking David's going to step up and he's going to confront this, this giant of a failure that he's had as a parent. I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to step up and he's going to say, listen, kids, I, I need to apologize to you because I've given you a horrible example to follow. Like, I need to fix that. I'm so sorry And I'm going to confront you. Like, I know I did wrong, but I'm going to confront you about your wrong. I'm going to do for you what God did for me. God sent Nathan to come confront me when I sinned. So I'm going to come confront you. And I want you to fix what you've damaged. And I'll show you how to do that because I'm going to lead the way in in, in showing you how to fix things. 
But that's not what David did. David ran from this sin. You know, and I look at David and I look at his life and I'm just mesmerized by that and a little bit dumbfounded by it because I see this, this young shepherd boy who's courageous and not afraid of a giant when everybody else is. And he looks at this giant of a failure as a parent and he runs from it. He says, I'm not, I'm not gonna deal with that. I'm just gonna head the other direction. I'm just gonna act like it didn't happen or I'm just gonna let God figure it, it all out. And sometimes we do the same kind of thing. Sometimes we work hard to rebuild our relationship with God. And I think maybe it, it, it feels a little easier. Maybe it feels a little easier to re- repair things that we've broken with God. And then we look around at these real people around us, these real relationships that we can touch and feel. And we go, oh, I'm not so sure I can fix that. So I'm just going to leave it alone. And hopefully God will do something for me, but I'm not so sure that I'm going to fix that. But again, just because our sin isn't erasable, that doesn't mean it isn't repairable. You know, I want to you know, reach back and tell David, David, it, it's possible. You can still fix this. It's not too late. I know you're, you're kind of at the end of your life here in this part of your, your story, but it's possible for you to still fix this. It's possible for us, no matter how old you are, no matter what you've done, it's possible for us to fix the damage that we have created. So when our sin has hurt people around us, you know, maybe somebody you're dating, maybe a spouse, maybe one of your kids, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent, maybe a coworker, maybe a friend at school, you know, whoever. When our sin has hurt people around us, we need to confess that sin to God. We need to confess that sin to them, let them know, hey, like I understand that this wasn't your fault. Like I take full responsibility for what I did. My part of it, you know, whatever that was, I take full responsibility for the damage that I've created. And then we've got to get busy with the work of rebuilding, rebuilding that relationship, rebuilding that reputation, facing whatever consequences that might have come with our sin. Now, it might take months to do that. It might take years to do that. But again, it's the only option we have if if we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we want to grow a heart like David's, if we want to have a strong, close relationship with, with God, that's the only option that we have. Now, let me speak um, from personal experience for a moment. Early in my marriage, I had hurt my wife deeply. And being the coward that I was back then, I ran from that. I didn't face it. I didn't admit it to her. I didn't uh, come out and say, hey, let me fix what I have broken. So I ran from that. I did everything I could to avoid having to deal with the damage that I had created in our marriage. And I got to a spot where there was such conviction on my life that I said, God, I can't do this anymore. Like, I've got to fix this. I've got to fix what I've broken with you and with my wife. If I'm going to move on in either relationship, I've got to fix this. So with fear and trembling, I went to my wife and we had several conversations. And I said, listen, I've got to fix this. I've got to admit this sin to you. I asked her for her forgiveness. My wife graciously forgave me. But just because my wife forgave me, that didn't mean that there wasn't work to do. So I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of rebuilding 
that was required in our relationship. Now, next, next month, my wife and I will have been married 21 years. And I am so grateful for the years that I've had with my wife. I'm so grateful for the amazing things that God has done in us and through us as we've worked together to fix the damage that I had caused in our relationship. And so when I say, hey, you know, just because it's not erasable, that doesn't mean it isn't repairable. I'm speaking from personal experience. You can fix some of the stuff that you've broken. It may not come out exactly as, as it was before, You may not go back to the exact same relationship that you had before, but I can tell you it's possible to have something even better than you had before. So we owe it to not only ourselves, we owe it to our God, we owe it to the people that we're in relationship with to fix the stuff that we've broken. So let me ask you, do you have anybody that you need to rebuild a relationship with? Is there anybody, you know, maybe at work, at home, at school, that you've, you've broken something with them and you need to repair it. And you, you know, like it's not erasable. That thing won't go away, but you know it's possible to repair that thing. I cannot encourage you enough to begin the work of rebuilding. I can't encourage you enough to do that. And I, I can't encourage you to don't give up Don't feel like, you know, it's not possible. I can't rebuild that relationship. I can't rebuild my reputation. I'm I'm never going to be able to live down this sin. Don't ever say that. Because with God, everything is fixable. So we have to admit our sin. We have to start rebuilding. That's how we grow a heart like David's. That's how we grow hearts where God says, that's somebody that has a heart like mine. That's someone who stands out to me. There's someone who will fix what they have broken. The great thing about our God is, again, that he is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that when they mess up, they will get up and they will fix what they have broken. And one of the encouraging things to me about David's life is how he is remembered by God. You know, if we were to get together and and have a discussion about the life of David, maybe over lunch, Um, and just talk about, you know, what stands out to you about David's life? What do you remember the most about him? You know, a group this size, we'd have all kinds of different people with all kinds of different opinions about that. Some of you would probably say, you know what, I, I remember David as the young shepherd taking on Goliath. I mean, that's so encouraging to me. Or some might say, I remember the guy who had never known defeat in battle. Others of you might say, you know what, he seemed like he was doing well at first, but like he was pretty much a failure. I mean, what stands out to me the most is that he committed adultery and then committed murder to cover that up. Those are pretty severe sins. Or some of you might say, you know what? He was a pretty passive father. You know, he, he did fairly well in his life in other areas, but you know, he failed to, to lead his kids at home. You know, even though he could lead men in battle, he didn't do so well at home. We'd all have some different thing that we remember David for. But none of those things are the things that God remembers about David. David's success didn't impress God and his failures didn't define him. So what stood out to God and still stands out to God about David is that he was a faithful servant. 
So listen to what God captures for us in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5. This is about David. This is uh, God's summary thoughts for David, okay? So this is, it's kind of captured in like tweet form, okay? So just a small uh, statement. If you don't know what tweet is, come talk to me later. All right, so God says this. David had done what is pleasing in the Lord's sight and had obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. Now, I think that's an amazing statement from God, especially after the sins of adultery and murder and poor parenting. So when God thought about David's life, he didn't say, well, he had a great start and then he blew it. He's, he's kind of marked for life as a, as a, a murderer and a, an adulterer. God didn't say that. What God said was, David is a man who's pleased me. He certainly wasn't perfect, but he faithfully obeyed me through his, throughout his entire life. That's what God remembered about David, that he was a faithful, obedient servant And I don't know about you, but that's extremely encouraging to me. Why? Because we don't have to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. God knows that about us. And we don't have to let our sin define us. We don't have to be remembered by that thing that we failed at, that thing that we did. So if you've damaged your life through sin, you don't have to let that sin become your identity You don't have to be remembered for that specific choice or that specific moment in time. You can find forgiveness and you can be remembered as someone who obeys God, someone who does what God wants them to do. So how do you want God to remember your life? What summary statement do you want God to capture for other people to to read about you? Do you want God to, to say, you know what? They sinned, felt so bad about it. They just kind of drifted away from me. Never felt like they could measure up and so they walked away from me. Or do you want to be known as the person that every time you mess up, you get up and fix it? Every time you break something, you get serious about the work of repairing the damage that you've created. Listen to what David's son Solomon wrote in Proverbs 24. Again, the wisest man who's ever lived said this in verse 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. So like we all trip, godly people, ungodly people, we all mess up, we all trip. The difference between the two is that when the godly fall, what what God wants us to do is get up get up again, confess our sin to God, receive his forgiveness, face whatever consequences may come with that sin, rebuild what we've damaged and move on in our relationship with him, move on in our relationship with other people around us. Again, just because our sin isn't erasable, that doesn't mean it isn't repairable. Repairing the damage that we've created is how we develop hearts like David's. That's how we can be remembered by God as an obedient, faithful servant. Now, as we close today, our worship team's gonna come out in a minute and they're gonna sing a closing song called uh, Last Word. 
And it's a, a great song that's got this um, great uh, thought throughout it that God is the one who has the last word over our lives. And I'm so grateful for that. Our God is the one who says what we are to be remembered by. So not what we've done, not what other people think about us. So it doesn't matter uh, what those things are. We can be remembered as people who were faithful to God and obedient to him. We can be remembered as people who wouldn't let our sin keep us from our obedience and our faithfulness to God. So as we sing this song, I encourage you to spend a few moments thanking God that he has the last word over your life. And that's the only word that matters for all of eternity. So spend some time during this song thanking God for that. And if you need to do anything as a result of today's message or thinking back through the, this uh, life of David and our exploration of him, if you need to do anything, I encourage you to determine to do that this morning. So if you need to confess anything to God, go ahead and confess that. If you need to confess something to someone else, go do that. Like today, commit. Like I'm gonna go talk to them. Today is the day for this conversation. If you need to begin rebuilding anything, a, a reputation, a, a relationship, a career, whatever, begin the work today. Determine today's the day. I'm gonna rebuild what I've damaged. I'm gonna grow a heart like David's. And if you have been in that process of rebuilding and if you've grown weary, I encourage you, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up and think, I, I just can't do it. Keep doing what you know you need to do. Keep rebuilding and God will be faithful to you. All right, so let's pray together. And then whatever you need to do during this song, do that. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have not hidden the sins of people in the Bible, people like David. Lord, you captured his entire story for us so that we can learn you captured the amazing parts and you captured kind of the ugly parts. And Lord, I, I'm probably more grateful for those, those ugly parts. Because it's in those moments that I, I understand that these Bible characters, these people that you use to do significant things in the world were not perfect. And if you can use them, there's hope for me. That just maybe you could use a person like me. So God, I'm grateful that just because our sin isn't erasable, that doesn't mean it isn't repairable. And God, you love to fix broken things. You love to fix broken people, especially when we come to you and we acknowledge our sin, we acknowledge our guilt. We don't hide from it. We don't blame it on anybody else. We just come to you and say, God, I've messed up. Will you please help me to fix what I've broken? You love to do that. So Lord, I pray that we would be people who every time we mess up, we'll get up and we'll fix the damage that we created. That we'll be faithful to you. Lord, again, that's the only option that we have as followers of Jesus. You know we're not perfect. You know we're gonna mess up. So Lord, I just pray for our, our folks that are here today. Some need to have a conversation with you. Some need to have a conversation with somebody else. Some need to determine that I'm gonna rebuild today. 
Some need to stay in the process of rebuilding. So whatever people need to do, I pray that like, they would feel just a little bit extra of your strength today as they do that. A little bit extra of your courage as they go out and, and face the consequences that they might have to face. And God, I'm so grateful that you write the last word over our lives. It's not what people say. It's not what's said about us on social media. It's about what you say about us. So Lord, may we be people that you would say, that's a faithful servant of mine. Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that you can say that about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and I just have a couple announcements for you. Uh, if you are a new guest uh, with us today, we would love to meet you. So please stop by our Connection Center uh, as we have information about Epic. If you have any questions, we would love to answer those questions for you. And then last week, you guys did an amazing job of taking the gifts uh, off of the Epic Giving tree back there, the epic Christmas giving tree. Uh, you guys took 233 cards. So we have like 77 cards left and a number of you have already been getting those cards. And so those cards represent 25 different families that we are looking to help this Christmas season, along with uh, helping out the Alpha Pregnancy Center and then celebrating our officers of our county as well. And so there's gift cards for clothing, uh, toys, uh, diapers, wipes, and a number of other things uh, to help all of those folks out. And so if you would, um, would you grab one of those cards, let's finish off the tree, and then bring the card and the gift back next week, uh, because next week is our final deadline so we can get these gifts out to those families. And there's a table back there, just set your gift uh, beside the tree. Uh, if you know that you're not going to be here next week, go out and get it and bring it back because we have a second service and we'll be here till about one o'clock as we're breaking down after the service. So bring those cards back with the gift and uh, so we can help out those families and before our county. And then um, another way that we can join with God is through giving. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through our giving boxes located at the end of each section and also online at theepicchurch.com. And then next week, we are beginning a brand new series, a three-part series. It's a Christmas uh, series, and it's called Once Upon a Time. And you have some invite cards on your seats. Would you take those invite cards? It is the time of year where most people are most open to checking out God. And would you invite them to this three-part series? It's an amazing series that we're going to be going through. And so there's information on the back. And then our final service is on December 21st of this year as well. And then uh, many of you uh, know Gary and Terry Antosh. They're the ones who lead Financial Peace University. And this past week, uh, their oldest daughter, Kristen, she had a baby. Um, well, unfortunately, at the end of the week, she wasn't feeling so good, uh, the daughter. And so they checked her into the hospital. And it turns out that she has a fatal blood disease that is uh, invading her body right now. And she is on life support at this moment. And so before we continue in our series, would you join me in praying for Gary and Terry Antosh and their daughter, Kristen, uh, before we continue? So Father, um, we just come to you. You know, there's these moments in life that get our attention. And Father, we don't understand all the things that are behind these things, but God, we know that you are in control. And so God, we cry out to you. We cry out for Kristen. We pray that you would rescue her. And we pray that you would just um, 
just give strength to her husband, to Gary and Terry. And so, Father, we just pray that you will just take care of them, that you will give the doctors wisdom in this moment. And so we thank you, God. We thank you that you are trustworthy, and we can come to you with all of our needs at any moment. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sit back and enjoy the rest of the service.